Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, well, you sounded a lot better just a minute ago. I'll say this. I did want to say this as I was standing there beside my oldest daughter singing along with you guys. It was, it was good to hear the voices from the congregation. Um, it, w- it was just really good to, to stand there. And as I'm singing, I'm hearing you guys sing with me. And it was, uh, it was just good. It was very uplifting. It was, uh, it was good. I enjoyed that. So thank you very much. So uh, let's get started this morning. Um, we got to be like Smokey and the Bandit today. All right. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So uh, for those of you who are old enough to get that reference. Um, anyway, I did hear they're making a new Trans Am. They're coming out with a new Trans Am. I'm just saying, that's going to be good. Anyway, if this is your first time with us today, uh, thank you for being here. We are very glad you, uh, you came to join us. Uh, we are in a current sermon series that we've called Make Me. And in this series, what we're doing is we're basically asking God, we're, we're requesting of God for him to make us into the follower of Jesus that he would have us to be. Um, we're asking him to do that because... On our own, we have to say, make me do this, God. Make me this way because on our own, we're not. We're just, we're just not. We're going to go very naturally the exact opposite way of where God is. That's just, that's just what we do. That's just how we are. That's, what, that's how we roll, essentially. So we have to go to God. And we have to say, make me these things because we won't be anywhere remotely close to what God wants us to be if he doesn't do it. In us, And so far what we've said is just the, the first three sermons of the series, make me safe, that was the first one, make me understand, that was the second one, make me know, that was the third one, and then today we got a new one that we're going to get to, but I'm going to let you hold on to that one for just a minute. We'll get there in just a second. If you've missed any of those sermons as we've gone through these, they're all online, you can go to our website, you can go to iTunes, and, uh, and you can listen to those there. Now, so we're moving on to the next subject, the next item in this series today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that, open up to the book of Psalms. We've kind of been in Psalms with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these sermons, this, this series here. We're going to look at Psalm 119. We're going to read, we're going to read verses 33 down to verse 35, but we're only going to focus on verse 35 today. I just want to read those other two because they, they help set the stage for us a little bit. And what I want to do is I want us to look at verse 35, and I want us to just kind of unpack it, dissect it a little bit, and see what what we can find in there that that hopefully we can learn something about ourselves. Hopefully we can learn something about God that will lead us to repentance, that will lead us to seeking forgiveness, uh, that will lead us to walking closer with him, that will stir up our affections and stir up our love for the Lord this morning. So everybody there? If you're not there, the verses will be on the screen. Let's, uh, let's go. Psalm 119, verses 33 through 35. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Look at verse 35 again very specifically. He says, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So what are we going to talk about today? Okay, thank you. Somebody 
answer the question. We're going to walk. Make me walk. We're going to talk about walking today. That is our subject for today. And I wanted to read verses 33 and 34 because, like I said, they kind of set the stage just like the previous three messages in this sermon series set the stage for today as well. Um, So when David says, make me walk, he's already asked to be taught so that he can understand, so that he can observe the law. He's already said, teach me, O Lord, so that I can do what you tell me to do. And then he says, give me understanding so that I can do what you told me to do. And then here he says, make me do it. He says, make me do it. I don't need just to be taught. I don't need just the understanding. I need to be, I need help. I need you to do it in me. He knows enough about himself that he says, even if I know and even if I understand, unless God does it, I'm not going to do it. So he's calling out to God. He's asking for that. And I would say, this is the case for me. I don't know if it is for you. That's where we all are. I mean, that's where every one of us land. And truly, whether we admit it or not, that's, that's just who we are. That's where we are. We, we might think a little better of ourselves, thinking, yeah, I'll do this and that right and all that. But then when you look at the other things that you don't do, it would uh, shame you, most likely. So let's talk about walking for just a minute. Let's start with walking. One of the, one of the biggest things in a child's life is learning to walk, right? Ask any parent of a nine-month-old to a one-year-old if that's the case. That you... You long for that child to walk. You want that child to walk. It's like you look for it. You're aching for that child to start walking, right? But once they do, oh, (laughs) you wish you probably had not pushed for it so hard. Because now, once they're walking, once they're mobile, it's one thing for them to crawl. That's one thing. But, man, when they get up on two feet and they're going all over the house, They are now able to get into things and get into trouble and get into places that they ought not be that are not safe for them, that are not good for them. But nonetheless, you want them to walk. Once they take those first few steps, man, it is on. They're going up the stairs, and you're like, no, that's not good for you yet. You can't do that yet. They're walking into the bathroom trying to play in the toilet, They're just doing all these things that you know. They're going to the dog bowl or the cat bowl, trying to eat a snack, all that kind of stuff. And it's like you want them to walk, but you want them to walk in certain places. You know know as a parent that there are safe places for them to walk, and there are unsafe places for them to walk, right? That's why all of our houses, when we first, the kids first start walking, there are gates everywhere. Like the adults cannot walk through the house. Because you're trying to protect your child. You're trying to keep them in those safe places. And everybody knows that. And I think the Bible speaks to this whole idea of walking as well. How we are to walk. How we are to live. How we, now that's what it's talking about. When the Bible refers to walking, it's, it's talking about how we live, how we act, how we do, the things we do, uh, what we say, all those kind of things. It's not so much where old Pat and Charlie can take us as much as it is how we live, you know, the safe places that we operate in, how we operate our lives, how we behave, those kind of things. Okay, so the Bible assumes that we're, that we're walking, that we're living, that we're moving, that we're doing things. It also assumes that that walk is seen. Does that make sense? That people see it? 
They see where you walk. They see how you walk. Those kind of things. And I think that's why David, David is the writer of this psalm, King David. That's why he says, make me walk. He says, make me walk because he knows enough about himself. He knows enough about himself and us that if we're left on our own, just like that child, once they learn to walk, they will get into all kind of trouble. David knows that very well firsthand. Read through some of the Psalms, read through some of his uh, dealings and things. He knows that firsthand. He knows that we will stumble into things that we shouldn't stumble into. He knows we'll fall into temptations just because of how we're living. It can and will happen. That's why he says, make me walk in the path of your commandments. That's why he says that. He knows he has to be made to walk in a certain way. So just like that parent who has that child that's just learned to walk and they, they, they have to protect them from things, they want them to be safe, they, they will snatch them out of harm's way, they'll do all these different things to try to help them stay safe. So we need God to do that for us as well. We need him to make us, just like when a child is, they're going upstairs, what do you do? You go pick them up and you move them, right? You put them somewhere else that's safe. That's exactly what David is trying to do here. He's saying, God, make me walk in this. Keep me in that safe place. Make me be there. And we need God to do that for us as well. And here's why. We have a wicked heart, y'all. We've just got a wicked heart. The Bible tells us this. It tells us this over and over again, that we just have a wicked heart. Every, every person, believer, non-believer, that's where we all are. Look at what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. The heart is more deceitful than all else. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? We think we're okay, right? We think, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not a, I don't do such-and-such. Such. That verse right there says, your heart is sick, wicked and sick. Look at what Romans Chapter 3, 10 and 12 says, or 10 through 12. As it is written, and this is a quote from the Psalms, actually. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. I would say save one, Jesus, right? He, he would be the only one. But as far as we are concerned, as far as humanity is concerned, none of us does good. Even our best good that we can do is filthy nastiness. That's just where we are. That's why we can't do these things like we should. So those verses just simply describe our need for help, our need for something to happen, something to, to be done in us. And first and foremost, that is the fact that we need a Savior. Secondly, it is to be able to do anything that God has asked us to do. We need help. We need somebody to do it in us. We need something to happen so that we can do the things that God has asked for us to do. So we ask, we say, God, make me walk. David doesn't just say, make me walk, though. He asks to walk in a very specific way. Right? He doesn't just say, Help me do this. He says, make me walk. How? Look at verse 35 again. Make me walk in the path of your commandments. What's that? What are the commandments of God? Somebody tell me. 
Wow. All right. Okay, the commandments of God is the Bible. All right? The Word of God. Not just the Ten Commandments. The entire totality of Scripture is what David is referring to. Walk in his commandments. Walk in all the ways that God has laid out. Do the things he says do. Don't do the things he says don't do. All that kind of stuff. Make me walk in the path of those commandments. It is the entirety of the scriptures. That's what he means when he says that. He doesn't want to just do what God says do. He wants to walk in it. That means he wants to live in it. He wants to be in it. It's more than just physically doing it. It's complete and total obedience. It's like that's his life force. That's what he wants it to be. He's like, I want it to be so a part of me that it's who I am. That's what he's asking for. That's the only way he can walk in that. Now, that's a, uh, that's a pretty tall order, we would say. He's making a pretty bold request there. Because remember, the previous verses we just looked at talk about how bad we are. There's no way we, being described like Jeremiah did and the way Romans did, can do that. That's why he says, God, make me do it. You make me do it, God. You work in me and make that happen. Because that's because he knows where real life is. He knows that's where real sanctification is. That's where real satisfaction is. That's where real nourishment is, is within the confines of Scripture. Outside of that, we can't have satisfaction. We can't have anything outside of that. Look at, uh, look at what Matthew chapter 4 says. This is regarding the, the Bible. It's regarding the commandments of God, the Word of God, okay? Look at what Matthew 4 says. Now, this is Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Led up by the Spirit to be tempted for the purpose of being tempted by Satan himself. That's where Jesus is going. That sounds wretched. All right? And then verse 2 doesn't make it any better. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And then it states the obvious. He was hungry. Yeah. I can imagine. Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, he hadn't eaten for 40 days? I imagine he was starving. I mean, I, I can't even fathom what that would have been like. And then verse 3, And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. How easy would that have been? The creator of the universe, the creator of everything, I want some bread. He could have done it easily. But what does he say? But he answered like this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How important is God's word? It is paramount. There is nothing higher than it. And we starve ourselves to death by not reading it, not following it, not doing it. Psalm one, or excuse me, Psalm nineteen. Psalm nineteen, verses nine through eleven, gives a beautiful picture of what the scriptures are. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord—that's the, the totality of Scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And here's the thing. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. We long so much for money. We want a bank account. We want to be able to do things. We want to be able to have all this stuff. All this stuff that's here and now, we want it so stinking bad. And the only way we can get it is to have money. We've got to have money to do it. And yet the Bible says that the word of God is more to be desired than all the money on the planet. So more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And not only that, not only do you get just that goodness, the, the goodness of honey and the, the gold, how precious that is. Not only that, but moreover by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. What is the reward? What is the great reward of keeping God's law? One day you get to stand before Jesus. If you have embraced him and you have trusted him for your salvation, you stand before him and he says, welcome home. Welcome home. I don't know that there's anything better than that. And I stand up here and I say this and you think, yeah, <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. I can assure you. This thing has beat the snot out of me. All right. So uh, please don't think that I'm standing up here thinking that I've got it figured out and, and all that. I find myself saying, God, help me all the time when I really should be saying, not just help me, you've got to do it in me because clearly I'm not going to. I need you, Lord. I have to constantly, constantly do that. And I fall. It ebbs and flows. There'll be good days. There'll be really bad days too. So I say, God, help me do this. And occasionally, I might say, make me do it. But usually, meaning, make me do this as long as it fits within what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? As long as it fits within the confines of what my plan is, let me do that. I don't want to branch out of that a whole lot. But it's definitely, my request is definitely not usually make me walk in the path of your commandments. It's, it's just typically not that because that is way, 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 way too risky. You know, because there's no telling where that's going to take you, right? That's why I tend to steer, steer clear of that. Because I look at it and I think, man, that's hard. How hard and that would be, be so hard. How could I do that? And here's why, here's why that's a problem for us. Here's why that's a problem for us. We're like rivers in that we follow the path of least resistance, Right? That's, that's what a river does. It's, when it starts, it just kind of, whatever's the easiest way, that's the way it goes. And that's why they bend and turn and all that kind of stuff. And that's how we are. We look for the path of least resistance. We look for things to be as easy as possible. For example, would it be easier to forgive someone who has done you wrong? I mean just done you wrong. Or is it easier to hold a grudge? and just be angry at that person. It's much easier to hold that grudge, a lot harder to forgive. Forgiving them would be walking in the path of his commandments. Or what about this one? Treating someone kindly and being generous to them even after they've done you wrong, or is it easier just to 
talk junk about them. Tell everybody how bad they treated you, how that shouldn't have gone that way, or how bad you got done, or whatever. It's a lot easier to do the wrong thing there. Treating them kindly, being generous to them, even in the midst of all that, that is walking in the path of God's commandments. And those are just a couple of examples. We could, we could go a long time and talk about those, but we're not going to do that because I've got one more point and I've got about five more minutes. <laughs> so, it takes surrender on our part. It takes us being willing to say, I can't do it. And we don't like to do that. We're Americans, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to say that. But we have to. We have to surrender. We have to trust God even when the things that he asks us, the things that he commands us to do are difficult. We've got to trust him. We've got to look to him. We've got to do it anyway and trust that he's going to take care of it. That's a lesson we all need to learn. I know I do. I've got to learn that lesson regularly, constantly, over and over and over again. Knowing that we can't do something alone so that we ask or beg God to do it in us. We have to know that. And that's the only way that we can walk in the path of his commandments. But the Bible teaches us that, that when we are weak, he is strong. Right? When we're weak, he is strong. Paul tells us that. Paul knew that. Paul recognized that about himself. He's like, man, I cannot do this. That thorn in the flesh, he was like, please take it away, God. And God said, no, I'm not going to take that away. You're going to continue to deal with that. And then we look at the very last part of this verse. And I don't want us to miss this. this is the, I, want us to, I want us to get this part. Um, look at verse 35 one more time of Psalm 119. He says, make me walk in the path of your commandments. Why? For I delight in it. He says, I delight in it. What does he delight in? I think he delights in a couple things. I think he delights in the commandments themselves. Just, just the law itself, he delights in it. It's not hard. It's not burdensome. It's not beating him down. It's freeing. So he delights in the commandments himself. Then he also delights in doing it. He delights in the fact that he gets to do it, that God has called him to it, and he gets to follow those things. So I think it's a twofold delighting there. I think he finds joy in both of them. I would even say that he probably finds happiness in it. Now, everybody understands there's a difference between happiness and joy, right? There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness can be ripped away from you in a second. Joy, if you've got real joy, it's hard to touch that. So there's a difference there. But I think David literally finds happiness in doing it as well. Not that happiness is better than joy. It's just that's good. Everybody wants to be happy, right? So we ask why. Why does he find delight in it? Why does he find delight in God's word and in doing what God has asked him to do? And I honestly believe, I honestly think that it's one simple word to start with anyway. I think it starts with this, and that's salvation. Salvation. He has been saved. It begins right there, and then it grows out of that as we become more and more obedient. But he can't be obedient. That's the thing. The reason it's got to start there is because you can't be obedient to God's commandments until that happens. 
that's got to be real in your life before the obedience can happen. You can be morally good and do some things like that, yes, and still die and go to hell and not be a child of God. You can do a number of things good and right and well. But salvation has to happen in order for that make me walk in the path of your commandments and to be able to delight in it to happen. So Paul, I mean David, David understood the grace that God had shown him even in the midst of the grossest and most vile sin in his life. He knew that. He recognized that. He saw that. He saw, saw how God had forgiven him and had given him grace and mercy. He recognized those things. Knowing that God never turned his back on him. That he was always, always slow to anger and quick to forgive. And where do we learn those things? We learn them in the Bible. We learn them by reading God's commands. That's where we find that in. So before we can make this request of God to make me walk, we first have to be made alive. Like that 9, 10, 11 month old child, before that child can walk, they got to be what? Born, right? They got to live. I mean, it's simple. They can't walk if they're not alive. We're the same way. We cannot walk in the path of God's commands until we're made alive. We have to be made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2 talks about how we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We cannot do anything. We're walking in that sin. To walk in the commands of God, we've got to be birthed to life by Jesus. Jesus calls us out of that darkness of our sin. He calls us out of our sinful, spiritually dead state. He brings us to life and he adopts us into his family. And we embrace that. We, we, like I've heard Rick say so many times, we hug that in, right? We hug that truth in of what Christ has done for us. And we so desperately need him for salvation. That's the first lesson that we need to be taught. We need to learn and understand how vile and wicked our heart is. And we need to understand the punishment we deserve because of our sin. And yet Jesus saves us out of that. He does it for us. We don't do that. We can't do that. That takes a work of God. And Jesus did that for us by being completely and totally obedient to his Father who sent him for that very purpose, to purchase his own possession back for himself. Satan had stolen it. Satan had taken it from God in the garden. And all the rest of us are a result of that. God then sends Jesus to buy us back to the Father. He pays a tremendous price for that, and that being Jesus. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel that, that we need to learn, and that once we get into it, we can then begin walking in the path of God's commands. So that's something to delight in, that we can be saved, that there is hope, that we don't, we're not left in this hopeless dead state, that God makes a way for us to be brought close to him. We know that. We can delight in that. And then once that happens, we can begin to live. We begin to be obedient and do all these different things. And then the more time we spend with God in his word, because that is how he reveals himself to us now, is through his word, we spend more and more time with him, the more we will delight in it. 
And I should have a mirror because I need to be preaching that to me, just so y'all know. The more and more we can delight in it. So what I want to do now, I just want to ask the praise team to go ahead and start making their way up. And as they're doing that and as they're getting ready to play, as they're getting ready to play our last song, I want to give you just a moment to respond to God. I know that was a lot, that was a lot of stuff really quick. Um, but I do want you to try to respond to that. I want you to think about what, um, what has been shared there and what all that means and what that looks like for you. And as you do that, I want to say, I don't know the condition of anybody's heart in here. I know the condition of mine. That's, that's the only one that I, that I can say that I know. But if it could be that that relationship with Christ needs to begin today. That may be where you need to start. You may be saying, man, I, I struggle with that. I know I don't live up to it. I know I don't do the things I need to do, all that kind of stuff. And maybe that's where you need to start is with salvation. Maybe God's calling you to begin that walk with him today. I would encourage you to respond to that call. Embrace it. Say, yes, God, I know. I know I'm a sinner. I admit it. I trust you that you have sent Jesus to save me. And embrace that, love that, and then walk in that. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe that's a decision you need to make. Or maybe you're a believer already, but you know that you have not been walking in the path of God's commandments. Because it's just so hard. <laughs> it's just hard. And maybe you need to confess that this morning. Maybe you need to repent of that this morning. And ask Him to make you do that. Ask Him to give you that delight as well. Or maybe you need to just take a fresh look at the Word of God and His commands and and find the delight that's in there. Maybe things have just gotten a little stale. Maybe you've been doing it, and you're working, you're doing, you're striving and all that, and things have just gotten dry and hard and, and those kind of things. And maybe you just need a fresh fire, so to speak. You know, look at things with a new light. I heard um, a, a message this weekend as I was preparing for this one. I was listening to some other, some other messages, and um, Matt Chandler down in, uh, in Texas, he mentioned that how we read the Bible matters. He said, we can read the Bible a couple different ways. One way is to read it like it's a newspaper where you're just looking for facts, you know, and you're trying to get the, the information. He said, it's, you can also read it like you read books when you were little where you're like reading it and you're imagining things and you're putting yourself in there and you're, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? How, how we used to read books and you could like visualize it. It's like you're reading the book and you're seeing a movie and seeing it play out in front of you. He said, man, that's a much more real way to read it. So I want to encourage you in that and we know that God's word and his commandments that that we can find delight in them Jesus himself said man it's not meant to be a burden he said my yoke is easy my burden is light and he wants it to be that way for us his words are not something that are supposed to beat us down they're supposed to lift us up encourage us those kind of things so let's pray together and uh, then the praise team will sing. I want you to respond as you're singing, as you stand and sing. Um, just respond to God however he is calling you today, however he's speaking to you today. And then I would encourage you to, that whatever that decision is, share it with somebody this morning. Don't leave and, and not talk about it. Share it with somebody. We would love to uh, rejoice with you, pray with you, whatever we can do. We will be happy 
happy, happy to, um, to do that. I sound like uh, Phil Robertson right there, didn't I? Um, anyway, let's pray, and uh, the praise team will uh, lead us in song. Father God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for uh, the fact that you never leave us nor forsake us, that, God, you're always there, that you, that you love us, that you want us to be close to you, that you want to teach us, that you want to give us understanding, and, Lord, that you want us to walk with you, that you want to make us walk in the path of your commandments. Father, I pray for strength and courage for everyone in here. I pray that we would all find tremendous delight in the truth of your word, Lord. We love you this morning, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.